On this week's Inside Marketing, we'll be talking about how brands can get better visibility of their customer purchase data. I'll be joined by two young Irish entrepreneurs to talk about their exciting new marketing innovation. That's this week on Inside Marketing. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Marketing. Normally in Inside Marketing, we talk about a specific topic or else I interview a a special guest. But today we're going to take a slightly different approach just for this week and I'm going to talk about a new marketing innovation. I'm delighted to be joined by Lauren O'Reilly and Badami Afolabi from Promotion. So welcome, guys. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having us. No problem. I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm delighted to have you guys. I'm looking forward to this one because I say no. This is a different one. Um. So we'll get into how you guys have been lucky enough to get on the Inside Marketing podcast in a minute. Like the privilege that is Inside Marketing. We'll get to that in a second. But um, Lauren, you wrote an article in today's Irish Times, and it's a, it's a brilliant read. But it talk it, it talks about like at the start. There's a lot in it, and it, it kind of sets up what your company's about. But it talks about how for quite a lot of companies, and mainly but not only CPGs, like consumer packaged goods, they're relatively blind in terms of audience data. So the people who consume their audience, they don't have an awful lot of, of consumer data because they don't own that end sale. So we're going to start off there for a minute. We'll get into your background in a minute, but when, when, when you set up for, um, promotion, what was the inequity or, or what problem um, were you trying to fix? Yeah, um, thanks, Dave. Um, so basically... What we want to solve is a data dictatorship. And the way that we look at that is in two different ways, I suppose. So firstly, what you said there about the the dictatorship that the retailer has over the the end sale for those CPG companies. So they own the sale. um, And when when I go into a shop and and purchase a product, they know all about what else I bought and Mm -hmm. and when I bought it. And I like to buy it on a Friday afternoon. Um, but the, the the consumer product goods company, they don't necessarily have access to all that data. Now, of course, we know that some, some retailers like Tesco, for example, have their club card and they gather all that data and, and the consumer product goods companies can access that. Um, but that doesn't tell them about who's buying in pharmacies, who's buying in petrol mm. stations, anywhere, anywhere else. Um, and I don't know about you, but I know if I... I buy a brand, I'll, I'll buy it wherever I am. It doesn't matter if I'm in Tesco or, yeah, true. or anywhere, you know. So so if I'm the brand, I want to know who Lauren is and, and, and what else is she's buying with my product. Um, so that data dictatorship is something that that we were thinking about, um, particularly because we're, we're pharmacists. So from a retailer perspective, we've been working in retail pharmacy um, for a number of years and just seeing the consumer side um, that they sign up to the loyalty programs and all the data that that the retail pharmacy can get on the back end of that. Um, and also the way that the consumer felt whenever they got a reward, they felt amazing. Like mm. they were like total freebie. This is this is this is great, you know. So from from a data point of view, from the consumer perspective, um, they don't mind as long as you know they they get something in return, as long as there's an, an equitable kind of exchange between them and the retailer or whoever else. So with that in mind, I suppose we wanted to give them the power. So wherever they're shopping, we wanted to be able to reward them for providing their their consumer insights. So, um, so that's what we've we've come up with a way that they can submit their receipts, whether it's from in-store shopping, online shopping, um, and just be rewarded for that activity and for consistently buying uh, with any of our partner brands as well. So mm-hmm. encouraging that brand loyalty, whether you're buying, uh, no matter where you're buying, basically. Okay, yeah, because it's a co- it's a great point because 
I mean, first of all, I do, I mean, I never thought there's loads of blind spots in terms of where people, I mean, Boots have their own loyalty program, but there is lots of blind spots and where you might be buying things, um, you know, four courts and everything. And you, there's only so many loyalty cards you're going to fit in your wallet. I guess, no, I don't want one anymore. Every time I buy something somewhere, do you want to look? No, I don't. Thanks very much. But in terms of the retailers, is a good point. I see it all the time in terms of loads of brands you work on. So, because they do have so much power over um, over the, the brands itself. So all the retailers, they have a huge amount of power. So not only do they control whether you get a listing in the store or not. So, I mean, having to go in and, and plead with, the, you know, you know, you got important people in P&G and Unilever going in to meet with, with the retailers like at Dunn's and they're terrified of going in to try and, and getting beaten up. So, they control how many, whether you get listings, if you're launching a new product, what your shelf space is, how many facings you get, whether you get an end of aisle display. And kind of like I would say, the, 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 media, the retailers are kind of like a media channel on, in their own right. So, but they then hold all that data as if that's not hard enough they then hold all that data on on who's buying what who's you know what what the, the customer is buying and the, you know I, I know with with some Dunhumby and things like that they can share data but it's hard it's inaccessible mainly for brands so um and this what you're talking about is quite interesting here because I mean obviously the retailers know who's buying what how often what they're not buying um what, what they're buying instead of they have a huge amount of visibility in in their category so it's quite unfair um and I think it's really it's really the data is obviously really powerful because those companies have no and even if you're a beer brand and you're, the pub sells your final product for you so you, you don't really have any way to, of building up that data directly I mean we do campaigns where we send people to microsites of that but to be honest with you pe people don't really want to go to brand websites unless they're unless it's for kind of corporate information that type of thing so um, but I'm going to give you a question here you know because you don't that's a problem that, that they, these a lot of these brands and there's loads of companies don't own the final sale but so how does your platform I kind of got a rough idea of it there but how does your platform help brands how does it work Thanks very much, Dave. So what we've done is we've built a highly engaging consumer-facing app, so whereby the user can download the app and we encourage them and incentivize them to upload all their shopping receipts. So shopping receipts from um, retail, from restaurant, everything into the app. And they get points for that. They also get bonus points whenever they upload a receipt that has our partner brand on it as well. And they get bonus points whenever they hit their step goal as well, just to make it highly engaging. So we bring three things together and it means that the users can clock up rewards very quickly um, as you said there dave that um you know the retailers they have their own uh, loyalty programs and everything but that doesn't actually benefit the cpg companies themselves and that's mm -hmm. just for them that's, that's going super value and the reason why the cpg companies themselves can't have their own uh, loyalty programs is that no one cpg company no matter how big they are you know procter and gamble or unilever have a big enough share of the the users of the consumers um, mm. spend so that's the issue for them so what we do is we aggregate and we uh, partner with the top cpg companies we bring it all together and we um we gather that data from the from the users we process we clean it and we present it to them in an easy to use business intelligence platform okay yeah, it sounds really interesting. I probably have a ton of questions, but I, I we, we'll go through them and see because I know it's hard to explain these things sometimes um, and it's probably easier to explain. I'm sure you've got a, a, a presentation or a deck. It's easier if you go through slides. It's quite hard sometimes for me conceptually to get it. But so help me out with this a little bit because re receipts are receipts, Grant, get them all the time. How easy is the UX in terms of, like, is it fiddly taking a picture of the receipt? Is it tricky? Is it bit of a clunky UX or is it quite slick and smooth? How complicated is it for me to upload and transfer my kind of receipt into points? What's the tech behind that? So we make it very easy. We've done a lot of research in this space um, and we make it very, very easy for the user. So the whole process takes about three to four seconds to do. You literally open the app 
and you take a picture of receipt. We do all the heavy lifting um, in, in the in the background. So we turn that text, we turn the image, we turn it into into text through um, optical character recognition, and we then process that on the back end. And um, just on that point, there, Dave, the current solutions that are available on the market, um, I'm sure you're aware of uh, things like Shop and Scan and hmm. um, by Antar. So this requires you to um, you you got sent out a booklet and a scanner. So you have to scan the booklet first, let them know where you bought the product, and then you scan the barcode of each individual product. And then you have to upload it to a non-Mac personal computer. So the, there's a huge amount of work in there, which means that they're not capturing as much mm-hmm. of the data as they should be. So we we uh, bypass all that by making it really easy um, for, the, for the user to upload the receipt. Right. Yeah. Sounds too good to be true. It sounds great. It sounds really good. Um, Lauren, come back to you for a minute. So am I right? Like, so... This doesn't compete. Like if a, if a brand works with you guys on on the, it doesn't it, it doesn't mean that they're not having to stay involved with their Tesco or Super Value loyalty programs. Does it? it doesn't compete with that as such, does it? It's totally standalone or additive, is it? Yeah, exactly, Dave. So yeah, it's standalone. It's not competing with any of the other programs, um, and it's a way for brands to reward your brand loyalty across all the retail channels. So it just yeah, it exactly allows you to be rewarded for for your loyalty to. Uh, Mitchum or, or Dove or Shore or any any brand that you, that you buy consistently, and um, and it also in terms of like offers you, you get often get a lot of offers through the loyalty programs. It allows um, the CPG companies to provide offers that are targeted and tailored towards um, the the consumer. So if you are buying in their category, and um, but you're buying a competing product, for example, that has similar benefits to your product, if you offer a promotion to that consumer, which is um, uh, tempting, you know, and and they, and they avail of it, they try out your product, then then that consumer could convert. It could be that they buy your product, then um, they're not price sensitive anymore. They, they just they just switch to your brand. So it's a way for a retailer agnostic way um, for brands to 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 give offers to their consumers. Okay, so just one a question, and it's an open question. Anyone could jump in. Don't know who's best suited to answer it. So I. So there's working with brands, but then there's just kind of I so I go to say I go to Tesco or say I go to Dunn stores, I bought a load of stuff, I take a picture of that receipt, but you're not working with any brand yet at the moment. So my points are then that's transferred into points in, in your app. But if you haven't got brands on board yet or or how do I redeem those points unless before a brand comes on? Does that mean I mean, or maybe I'm not getting maybe I got that wrong. But generally, you know I mean? so I've up, I've uploaded my points, whatever, I spent two hundred quid. Now, that translates to points. How do I redeem those points? Can I only redeem them when you have a client signed up or how does it work? So how it works is when you've clocked up enough points, um, you can then redeem that into a PayPal account. So those points are directly redeemable for um, for, for cash, essentially. Oh, it can okay. be drawn into Yeah, so they're real points, real money. Oh, okay, right. Gotcha. That sounds good. Yeah, that's nice. Always nice. Always nice if, if it's real money. Uh, Lauren, just another question. Same with you for a sec. Uh, like, and I think unless I pick this up wrong, I think Badami earlier on said there's an, when you reach a certain step goal that you you get your points are unlocked. So, so there's an element, and I, and I got I, when we were chatting and when I was chatting to Rob about this before. There's an element to this which is I can see why it's good for brands because brands get some visibility and, and kind of consumer data and consumption data and shopping behavior data. I can see why it's good for the consumer because they're getting stuff free um, and your data is really valuable. So somebody's rewarding you for kind of you're your giving away their data. But there's also a, a kind of a third stakeholder and this is kind of society. So if that kind of third wheel to this is about having to be active to do something, there is a kind of societal good to this. Is that Did I, did I get that wrong or, or is that something that's built into it? 
No, yeah, that's exactly it, Dave. So um, us being the pharmacists that we are, um, we wanted to make this engaging for people and to encourage very basic kind of healthy behaviors and bring it back to back to basics. So like before before the I don't want to say the C word on <laughs> COVID <laughs> on, on the podcast, but um before all of that there was a there was a pandemic or at least an epidemic in terms of like metabolic syndrome or syndrome X, which is basically the combination of high blood pressure, uh, being overweight and oh there's something oh diabetes, right. <laughs> diabetes high blood pressure, being overweight. Th- those three are 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 killing us basically, particularly in the in the developed world. Um so so those three basically we in a world of modern medicine, uh like we're getting worse in in that respect. And and um obviously we have the drugs to treat conditions and me and Benami could talk all day about them, but but really it's just about bringing it back to basics, just the the things that we don't make time for anymore, like getting our steps in. Um even if even if you were to sit at your desk all day for eight hours and then go to the gym for an hour and a half, it's not good enough because humans weren't built to sit for those eight mm-hmm. hours in the first place. So what we what we want to encourage is just people to get in casual steps throughout their day. We've set the target at 5,000 steps on average per day. And if you hit that on a rolling average of seven days, um, you get a step bonus. So the reason we picked that goal and not the 10,000 is because there's a health basis for it. So it means that you're non-sedentary, which lowers your risks for all the all the conditions that I mentioned. Right. <laughs> yeah, I get it. So there is, there's a kind of trying to do, it's probably, yeah, you're right, comes from your, your pharmacist background. But that's why your background is really interesting because I think marketing people are all from, I say this all the time in our place, marketing people are all kind of from the same background, same schools, graduate schools. So people coming in sometimes trying to, um, genuinely do something and solve a problem that you see from your your industry and field as as, as pharmacists is quite an interesting space. Um, but Damien, my, I get things when they're explained quite literally to me, right? When you give me an EG. So I'm Cadbury's, right? For example, say I'm Cadbury's, right? And I do something with you. What type of benefit? So what, pitch it to me if I'm Cadbury's. What do I get out of this? What type of audience understanding? So is it just, you can tell me how many sales or something or how rich or how deep is the inside of that? And what can you tell me about people? And then, Okay, I've got all this data. That's fine. What can I do if I want to get into segmentation in terms of targeting different people if I do a campaign with you? So that's an interesting question, Dave. So, so let's say if you're a Cadbury, for example, and you know you sell chocolate, different types of treats, and you know they're sold through a whole host of different retailers. And um, currently, for for them right now, it's almost impossible for them to aggregate and to understand their entire market. So what we do is we bring them on board the platform as a brand partner. And whenever someone purchases a product, um, uploads a receipt and there's Cadbury on that receipt, they'll receive a loyalty bonus. So we're incentivizing people to submit transactions from Cadbury. So by doing this, we can aggregate um, a huge amount of um, data for Cadbury. And because the data is so plentiful, they can now action this. So what we do is we process, we clean, categorize that, and we provide them this solution in a simple-to-use business intelligence tool. So now this can start to drive their um, their business decisions. You know, instead of making decisions based on assumptions, they now have um, you know plentiful, actionable data. And this is going to be a big improvement from what's currently available to them at the moment. From our market research, we've seen that a lot of um, businesses, unfortunately, are making you know big decisions based on assumptions. And so we're moving them away from that. And giving them um, insights, yeah. So you'd be able to see. <clears throat> I mean, you can do you can do research, focus groups, or purchase intent. But you'd be able to actually see in terms. You'll have logged in users, registered users. You'll know about the people that. Is that part of the deal for signing up and downloading the app? I got to give 
obviously you need to know about me before you can segment me. But what what type of, one of the things that comes up from a user behavioral apps is the more information that you ask of me that I have to give you, the less, the higher the drop-off rate is. So how do you incentivize people to give away all this information to you guys? How does it work? The beauty of it is we don't really ask for much. We ask for your name, email address, and uh, your date of birth. That's all we ask for. Okay. Everything else is informed from the data that you provide us. So you can tell a lot about a person from the type of purchases that they make. So when they yeah. upload receipts, we start to build up um, some type of profile about them. Everything is anonymized um, and it's all aggregated. So we can't identify the individual user, but we can start to make a holistic profile about, you know, like make general um, you know assumptions about them and based on what they, they upload. So we don't ask for anything really. Okay. Um, it's just submitted. And the points is what they get in return for um, you know, giving us this uh, this data. Okay, so it's not much. You're not asking for much of people. But then, and actually then, I suppose when I think about it, if you have, so then when you think about targeting, I can then, I, I'll stick with Cadbury's, I can then say, I want to target, and maybe you can't do this, but it'd be great. If, if, you're, if you tell me, yeah, you can do all this, Dave. Um, I want to target, heavy consumers of dairy milk with five cent off, right? And I want to target people who are light consumers with, with 20 cent off. I want to give them a totally different message, a different promotion that's ring fence to them. I don't care who they are. I don't give don't even toss whether they're 15, whether they're 27 or whatever. It doesn't bother me or 50. Um, but now I also want to target people who bought Galaxy and I want to give them 50% off. Can I do that? So you're, can, can you do that? Exactly. That's oh, wow. it, Dave. That's, the, that's exactly what we're building. Um, instead of a one-size-fits-all approach, you can segment, you know, based on purchase behavior rather well, than just, okay. you know, 18 to 25. That's exactly it, Dave. That's pretty cool. Uh, I really like that. A shame I'm I'm giving all this away now in a podcast. I should have just said nothing and met you privately, um, you know. But anyway, set the cat's out of the bag now. Unless we don't run it, of course, I'll talk to Rob. Um, right, the, the ugly question, the ugly question, how's the business model work? Like, how do you how do you make money on this? How, who are you working with? Are you working with agencies or, well, first of all, how's the business model work? Are you charging on per campaign? What does a campaign look like? But Damien, I'll stick with you. What formats can I buy? What messaging shows it to people if it's in app? And what are the things? What are, 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 And is there any other products apart from say just advertising or messaging that I can buy to people do you sell research packages or insights packages or is there a self-serve platform how do you make money off this what's your business model so we make money primarily through uh, two ways the consumer insights and as well as brand partnerships so whenever we bring a brand on board that uh, they become a brand partner let's say for example Cadbury if we had Cadbury on board they'd have exclusivity meaning that we won't have any of their competitors on board so they'll benefit exclusively from the data that we're that we're you know aggregating in that case there, and then we charge them on a per redemption basis. So they'll allocate a budget with us for the year, and we'll we'll um, spend that budget um, as people redeem, meaning that they'll have a predetermined um, return on 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 investment there in that case there. So that's one model that we make money. And the other way is through um, the market research. So we have a business intelligence platform there. We have different products. You can get things like promotion intelligence, seeing how people respond to, to offers and you know different demographics. Pricing intelligence, see how your pricing varies across all different retail channels, mm-hmm. you know, from convenience to supermarkets and all things like that. So you can see all of that. So we have um, several ways there that we make money. And also one that's a really big one that um, we've been doing a lot of research in is through the consumer surveys. Okay. So surveys and market research as a whole, there's a lot of tools out there like SurveyMonkey and everything like that. It's, they're all fantastic. But the issue is the audience. You know, you're still sending surveys out to people based on demographics, 
rather than verified purchase behavior. Um, I was reading about, I, I don't know if you remember this guy, Sam, the Cadbury ad, the Gorilla nice. ad. That we were was chatting about in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah that. So, you know, that's, that's an amazing ad and it increased them Cadbury sales by 10%. But if that had gone through the, you know, traditional review panel, I probably wouldn't have made it out. But what we're doing is we're giving uh, brands the opportunity to test their ad um, with real people and get real insights. I'm sure if you ran um, uh, a survey with uh, people who had actually bought Cadbury or shopped in that category, they would have told you that they loved that ad. But if mm. you'd run that with a professional review panel, I probably wouldn't have made it out. Mm. Yeah, so so I guess then you can do in, in what you're saying there, um, Lauren. I guess you can do so as well as looking at the purchase behavior. But I could do, I could find out like people who always buy Galaxy, what do they think of Dairy Milk through a research panel or a contact, a, a bit of a survey with them and say, look, why don't you just buy Dairy Milk? Why do you keep, it doesn't matter what price it is, you never redeem it and just do a bit of insight in terms of what you like about it or test ads. Is that You can do all that stuff, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Um, and and it'll it'll appear on the on the consumer mobile app and, and as an opportunity for them to earn extra points. And it's also another way for them for it not to be a slow burner. So obviously there there are there have been apps in, in the UK, that kind of thing that just allow you to submit receipts and, and users got like buttons for, for doing that, yeah. you know, like and they dropped off. Like you said, a huge problem with anything to do with consumers is that they, they drop off and, and apps end up in the app graveyard but that's because like you know they, they were getting so little and it was taking so long for anything to materialize but when you're doing a combination of scanning receipts answering surveys getting your steps in hmm. all those kind of things add up to mean that suddenly you, you have five euro ten euro in your paypal account or to donate to charity so it's actually it makes things more tangible for them and it's only it's only ever going to be a, a handful of questions nothing right nothing too, yeah nothing too onerous um yeah, uh, Lauren. Uh, two questions. First of all, the f- the first one is uh, maybe I got this wrong. So, if if Cadbury's give you a budget and it's based on re- it's based on redemption, effectively, unless again, unless I'm understanding this wrong, that budget is now directly attributable to sales. I can I can measure it. it it's only spent when I sell X amount of products. Is that right? So it's yeah, completely yeah. guaranteed. It's completely linked to sales redemption. Okay, that's yeah, that's pretty. That's really good. Um. Who are you working with? Are you working directly at the, at the moment? Are you working directly with clients? Are you working with agencies? Are you working with both? What's your growth strategy? So we're working with both. Um, I suppose throughout the development of our product um, in our market research phase, we were speaking directly to the consumer product goods companies themselves to understand directly from them what their what their issue was, to understand the scale of the problem. Um, and that and that gave us um a way to build like using their insight and 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 to really to really build something that would solve their problem. Um but we realized that in some cases, the agencies do control the budget for the CPG company. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can work with the agencies to allocate the budget, to gather insights on behalf of the client um, or directly with the client themselves either. Um, and then, of course, in some ages, uh, some cases, as Benami was saying, the, the agency may want to carry out ad testing right. um, or research for their for their own purposes, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah, um, I do indeed. Yeah. Well, the short answer is who you are with. Anyone who wants to pay us the money is a short answer, effectively. Yeah, okay, I like that answer. Um, but Amy, is are you live yet? Is it fully operational? Is it is it not still in beta, is it? Is, is it out in market or how? where are you in the journey? So yeah, we're still in beta at the moment. Um, we're still developing and we're testing it out with some users, um, a small cohort to make sure everything is um, you know, working well um, ahead of our launch in um, late January. So that's the plan to be live in the market in late January. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm trying to find some 
criticism of it or problems with it or why it won't work. I can't find it at the moment. Give me a while, but at the end of the podcast, I'll have a few <laughs> and I'll say, it's not going to work for whatever reason. It sounds like a brilliant idea, but one thing, you know, when I'm kind of joking about picking holes in it, it's only going to be, I mean, it's two things. You have to have brands on board, but you have to have some kind of scale in terms of app download. So Lauren, easy question for you. How are you going to get mass download of this app? How are you going to get it onto people's phones? So like, what's your plan? I guess, I mean, have you got a huge marketing budget? Have you got, have you got lots of funding or how, like, is there a marketing plan or how are you going to roll it out? <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're right, Dave. So like, obviously there's two sides to our platform. We need the brands on, on board um, to make it work and we need the users. So that's always been been a, been a part of our focus and, and uh, the users are, were obviously part of our, our market research the whole way through development. So to date, any, any social and media engagement or any market research that we've conducted has been really positive with, with consumers naturally because they, they really only have anything to gain from this. And, and I suppose the difference between our app and other apps is that they generally have an ask of you, um, mm. whereas we're giving. Um, so it does have that natural viral element also with the with the referral program that we have. Um, we've had inbound uh, inquiries from uh, influencers in the kind of side hustle kind of community of people, if you like, uh, and, and other other influencer groups who who want to promote this to their to their following. Obviously, each time one of their followers joins the app and uploads a receipt, they would get a bonus as well as the the new user. So it's 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 potentially lucrative for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the user themselves get gets to find out about this through the influencer. Um, so so that's one way. And then also co-marketing with the with the brands themselves. We have some strong uh, CPG brands lined up already. So a co-marketing with them is 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 a strong route for us to for us to go, as well as with any organizations mm. or charities that we have for for people to donate their rewards to. Um, so between the co-marketing and the kind of referral viral element, that's kind of part of our plan. And then we have we have over uh, three thousand people on our pre-launch okay. uh, waiting list, and that that's with very little of our own mm. investment. If you like, it's kind of just from press that we've gotten to date. So you have plans that way, yeah. And I guess it'll spread. I mean, the, if it's good, it'll just spread. We we'll need marketing. Um, uh, but Amy, w- if you have. One of the other problems, again, is, is okay, I've downloaded, you can get people to download things. I just know from from behavior. Now, it's more for brand. I think apps that create utility for people as opposed to, we, I, we've done more branded apps. It's kind of just getting people to take it out their phone, uh, take it out and use it. So I can have it on my phone in case where there's loads of downloads. But use repeat usage is a problem. Do you think that, I, I guess we're more comfortable. Do, do you think it's because, maybe I'm answering the question for you, but I, my sense is that we're paying for, we're far more comfortable paying for things with our phones now. So, do you think that getting people to just kind of use this as a daily habit or a routine-based thing, is that easy? Or are you worried that, well, we can drive downloads, but they'll be dormant, the app will stay dormant, you won't? Or how do you encourage people to, you know, not forget about it? Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right, Dave. You know, people downloading apps is one thing, but getting them to keep using it is another challenge. You know, I know myself, I probably only use about five or six apps ever. Mm. And I probably have 30, 40 apps on my phone. But the key difference, as Lauren said there, is that we're, giving them something, you know, we're creating value for them. There's one app on my phone that I could be in a shower listening to music. If I get a notification from that, I'm jumping and I'm using it. And that's because that app allows me to earn um, some type of money through my phone. It's only a small amount, you know, it's probably like 10, 15 cents at a time. You know, if I saw 10, 15 cents, you know, I wouldn't be too bothered to pick it up. But because I'm getting that through my phone, it creates this mental connection for me and it makes me really interested. And I, yeah, I just, I just jump to it every time. 
So yeah, there's a difference there, Dave, as opposed to other apps that are taken from you. Mm. They're trying to get and or you know, it could be a game. We're actually giving them something there. So it's a different it's a different game. Yeah, I see I think it I think it's it sounds like a really smart idea. Now, the reason why you're on this podcast in the first place is because you you featured in a an Irish Times kind of I don't know what it was. It was a program for young entrepreneurs. It was kind of like, you know, and then Rob Kinsler got involved with you. He was kind of giving you a bit of, so the, the, you know, the Irish Times were giving some some mentorship and you showed up in that. So just like your pharmacist, how how did you get into this? You're not busy enough being a pharmacist at the moment. Like, how did this happen? What made, like not, well, yeah, you've told me why you, why you got into it, but like, how did you get into it and how did you find the time to get into it and how do you, you know, how, Jesus, you must be flat out. You must have not not a minute socially to do anything. So open. It's a question for both of you. So whoever wants to go first, go first. How did you end up doing this? What's your background? Um, yeah, Dave, I'll, I'll go. Um, so I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Basically, both of us were working in pharmacy throughout our, our college years, um, <laughs> dealing with consumers, dealing with the public, lots of fun during COVID. <laughs> um, so uh, loads of consumer insight, loads of. Uh, I suppose, insight in dealing with uh, the the likes of the loyalty programs that we alluded to, and even like the implementation of new loyalty programs in, in some pharmacy chains as well, and seeing how that took off and how people responded, that kind of thing. So it was always kind of in our minds. And I suppose then like pharmacists are often entrepreneurs. So we kind of, we both kind of, Benami, I don't know, would you agree? We both kind of had an entrepreneurial flair throughout college there was kind of a, a want to, to to start something and, and you didn't and think of going down the breaking bad route no you just, just thought this is better about <laughs> it so legal um yeah no <laughs> um yeah and then and then trinity have the the launch box program so that kind of kicked us off it going down a proper kind of business route and, and thinking about this commercially and and bringing it actually to market um so we got a lot of support from from trinity college and um, through their launchbox program in the first place so that's kind of where, where it kicked off in 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 college really and then it just grew from there really didn't it blame me yeah exactly so during during college as well um i got a research uh, scholarship so i was looking at um cannabis and its effect on different cells and how that impacted uh, weight loss and cancer so my project there um you know were you just were you just caught and you had to come up with this as an excuse was this just a <laughs> Sounds like it sounds like this is made up. You were caught, and you're like, no, no, it's a research project. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was working on that, and um, so the project produced a huge amount of, of data. So it was you know lots of unstructured and semi-structured data, and so that's where my interest of in big data came about. And then, as Lauren said, there, Launchbox and Trinity has really helped us a lot. So we came there, we know business model, and yeah, we just we went through that, and you know we've been working on it ever since. And yeah, that's that's mm. it. That's how we got into this. Well, uh, and Lauren, like I mean, I guess I know the answer already, but like, has it? How have you found the time to do this? Like, what have you been kind of doing your pharmacist and your studies during the day, and then trying to fit this in the weekends and and time off? How how much of a slog has it been? How where did you find the time? Uh, when well, when we first started, this is going to sound bad, but when we first started, it was just I suppose well, part of when we first started was COVID, so everything locked down, mm. everything was online. All of our, our final year lectures were online, everything. So we actually had an unbelievable amount of extra time, not commuting, not wasting time after lectures, not showing up to cancelled lectures. So we literally did the 40 minute lecture, logged off and got straight right. into our business, basically, was how it went when it started. And then I suppose, yeah, we were working around the clock, I think. Right. Today, I mean, that. Some of us didn't go to the lecture. 
well they no, just no. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, I had loads of free time as well, but I uh, but I, I just watched more Netflix and drank more wine. I didn't think of <laughs> doing getting into anything else. Um, is it is it a pro- proper bootstrap business? Is it just the two of you, or have you got have you got more people? Like how well, it was just the two of you at the start, but right now today, who's building this for you? Have you got a big team? Is it what's happening? So it's so yeah, it started off with the two of us, and then we got some funding from Trinity College Launchbox. And then we've also raised some private um, funding from agent investors. And as well as uh, we've received some government grants too. So in total, we've raised um, over 100,000 to date. And we have um, a small team of uh, developers that are working on this and um, bringing it to life. So there's about six of us now working on this now, yeah. Right, right. That's good. And I, I do, I always think it's a, it's a great sign of, you know, because there's lots of funds and, you know, Enterprise Ireland. And I always think it's a good barometer to see if this is a good business or not. It sounds great to me is whether whether other people think it's good if you've got like, you know, government backing. So it, it's great that you have. Lauren, have you, maybe you can't say, but ha, have you spoken, you mentioned you kind of spoken to a couple of CPGs or big advertisers before. Ha, have you got anybody signed up or anybody on board already? Or maybe you don't want to say it, but have you got people signed up? Because again, I always think that's a good endorsement if you pitch to people and they've said, yeah, we're going to give you a test budget for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly, James. So we can't specifically say yet, but we do have some some very well-known uh, consumer product good companies on side. And we've also spoken to some, some uh, major media agencies as well. So we've got some really good uh, client partners there lined up. Um, and as you said, then from like the looks, likes of the local enterprise and Enterprise Ireland programs and funding, and um, we've gotten some really good validation there as well. And Trinity then, of course, as well. So, um, yeah. Very good. And, and I'll be definitely after after this chat, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to you after the podcast and getting you, I'd say to the couple, because we've loads of clients in here, I think we're really good for. So yeah, I will, if you are if you are ready and ready to talk to clients. But that's good. And that sounds great. This is an Irish launch, but Amy, obviously it's an Irish launch. Have you got plans to roll out to other markets or is the plan just, no, we're kind of, we're happy enough with Ireland or is it, is it scalable? Once you do it in Ireland, this is just a matter, it's easy to roll out elsewhere? Yeah, so we want to launch in Ireland and, you know, get out all our teething problems. And, and the plan is to make this a global solution. So our motto is to have local insights on a global scale. So we plan to roll out um, across Europe. And our plan is for December of 2022 to have launched in the, in the UK. So yeah, we do plan to to um, touch international markets, Dave. Yeah. Oh, very good, very good. Um, the obvious question I always think if this was Dragon's Den, you'd be asked this question, Lauren. I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, th- there has to be loads of companies doing this already. Is there loads of companies doing it, or am I wrong? You mentioned a couple of them, and they don't sound like they're the exact same. But is this not very cluttered at the moment, or are there competitors in this space in any market or that you know of? Yeah, so I suppose if you like the consumer intelligence market, it's it's a growing one um, within the whole market research space. It's growing like really rapidly every year, but but it, it is disjointed. So the reason that that there isn't, I suppose, a one one solution fits all kind of available at the moment is because there's a lot of consultancy work. So there's a lot of project by project work. Um, and we wanted to come away from that where where it's it's a it's a solution that you can use on an ongoing basis to continuously get uh, real time data on a continuous basis, a, a platform that gets smarter and smarter with more data that that gets submitted rather than, OK, 
I'm Dave, I'm from Dentsu, I have a question. Can you answer this question? Yes, we can. Mm. And over and back. And then that's the end of that project. And then we started a new project. So yes, there are competitors. And, and yes, of course, we know that the leaders, the, the Kantars and the Nielsens and all of those in the in the space at the moment. But we want to move away from project by project and, and make it a, a solution that you continuously use and trust and engage with. Okay, yeah. so, so like there's a couple of kind of competitors, but nothing yeah. that's exactly the same if you take in terms of the UX and the simplicity and the the kind of functionality and even the linking in with you know I do like when everybody I know everybody can't win but they can in a way I do think that there's a lot of um, inequity in terms of marketing at the moment in terms of and one of the things that like Graham was saying about we say in Denso all the time is that actually media today can be we used to talk about interrupting people and we still talk about disrupting people. I don't like disrupting people. No one ever says, <clears throat> I was disrupted last week, it was great, great crack. <laughs> I mean, it's not a positive thing. So I think if, why can't there be things where through brands or through platforms where, you know, the consumer wins, the brand wins, and also, you know, you can do a little bit better, whether that's giving points away to society, to charities, as you say, or whether it's just making people get off their arse and do something and kind of contribute to slightly more active social life. Um, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, I didn't get any 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 big watch outs here that I said, nah, it's not going to work despite me looking for it. So, um, no, I'd say like phenomenally, I'm very, you're very impressive too, very impressive individuals. You were, you were, you were trying to say earlier on, are we entrepreneurs or not? Yeah, you're definitely entrepreneurial um, spirit even getting I mean, you, you, I mean kind of make me a bit, I'm a bit sick listening to the two of you to be honest with you pharmacists pharmacists trendy graduates and then just in your part time oh let's do this other thing over here that's brilliant so um, no but like I wish you guys <clears throat> all the best sorry everybody I have a bit of a cold so I'm kind of struggling today but but I'm such a pro the show has to go on um, thank you so much for joining me today it's been it's been great to talk to you guys and I wish you every success in the future if anyone's listening and they want to say this that sounds really interesting um how can they reach out to you? Where do they find you? Have you got contact details? Have you got a website? Can they get you on LinkedIn? How do they go about it? Yeah. Um, so we're promotionintelligence.com and, and on um, on all social media, we're Promotion Intelligence. Um, and then you can catch us on LinkedIn, myself, Lauren O'Reilly and Badamia Falavi as well, if you want to reach out. Okay, cool. So Promotion Intelligence is that you just said that quite quickly. It's promotionintelligence.com. Yeah. Okay, grand. <laughs> okay. Right. That is it. Thanks for joining me, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks, Emil, Dave. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining me, Damien. Thank you so much for making the time today. And thanks to uh, everybody for listening. If you like this episode, tell your friends or listen back or and or listen back to some of our other great episodes. You will find them by typing Irish Times Inside Marketing into your search engine of choice. Thanks to Kira and Andrea and Sound. And thanks, as always, to our partners in Irish Times Media Solutions. So until next time, where it'll be the last one of the year and we'll have a look back on highlights from different episodes. Stay safe. Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions.